Hello, everybody. I'm Tom Dorsey. And I'm Tommy Doyle. And it's October 4th, 2017. I think. Is that the correct date? Yeah, I think so. Things are going too fast for me, man. We're already in October. starting to get a little bit cooler. Hey, one of the things that I want to talk about today um, is we have a few slots still left open in the Stockbroker Institute. Yeah. And that's what it's called, Stockbroker Institute. I know some of you will sit back and say, hey, we're no longer stockbrokers. We're advisors and whatever name you happen to be called, county executives or whatever. But that's what the institute is. It's for you, professionals primarily. But anyone is welcome to it. I mean, you can be an individual investor saying, look, I want to come to the institute. You're welcome to do that. You just have to contact us. It's held at the Jefferson Hotel. Yeah. Which is like gone with the wind, man. <laughs> gone I mean, with the Schwinn. Gone with the Schwinn, exactly. When you go in that place, this is the kind of thing, when you come to the Broker Institute, you definitely want to bring your wife or your husband. Oh, yeah. Because it's just so cool around that hotel itself. It's a five-star hotel. You don't even have to leave the place. Mm-mm. You get brunch. You get all kind of meals. They got a spa. They got a salon. Yep. You do anything there. And if you want to come over to my family office, which yeah. is exactly right behind. one third of a block away, <laughs> and have a cigar, we can do that. Yeah, in between sessions. In between <laughs> sessions, exactly. This is really fantastic. I'll tell you, uh, worth doing. I want you to call us, get registered, come. If you haven't done it, come on now. And if you have younger um, kids on your team, in other words, you may have a child who's who's now like your age. You're 23 years old. But you've been doing this for like five years already. I mean, so it's it's you know to be in, to be hired at Dorsey Wright and Associates, you have to be an intern for a couple of years anyway. So Tommy is a, a, a battle hardened veteran, but he's only twenty three years old. That's what happens at DWA. I mean, Tammy was hired when she was sixteen years old. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that is the the path of doing the internship does help you get up on your feet very very quickly, get him through, get infused in what's going on. Yep. And, get, in, uh, get enthused and abused because they're going to throw work on top of you like that's you've right. never seen. But sink or swim. That's right. Sink or swim. Let's look today. I think today would be fun to look at what the performance was. And how did I lose that? What the performance was this last um, quarter. There we go. And, yeah, here we go. Yeah, so we'll look at all ETFs, just broad scope, um, international and you know domestic. And then we'll go in to break it down by... Broad U.S. sectors, international, and see what's going on. Yeah, there's some really interesting names here. And I mean, when you think in, ter- in terms of exchange-traded funds, this is a product that I've been involved in since the 1980s, and most people don't even know the, the real story behind exchange-traded funds and how they started. And they started at the Philadelphia Stock Exchange, which, by the way, is now owned by NASDAQ. Right. And the Philadelphia Stock Exchange used to be, back in the 80s, probably the most progressive exchange in this country. And before the ETF actually came into existence, Joseph Rosello, who was the head of marketing at the ETF, brought out a product that was, for me, who I ran an option strategy department then, had options on indexes. And it was like the SOX, the Semiconductor Index, the Software Index, and a number, about five other indexes from gold and so on. And it was the first time we were able, ever able to make a commitment in an index like that. In other words, we could buy a call right. or a put on an index and not have to focus on the individual stock. So this was really, really unique and new to us. I mean, um, I can remember running that option department of Wheat First Securities. I jumped on that product as quickly as I possibly could, and we did a lot with it. Next came out the, the index participation unit. And what that was, there were, there were two symbols, BIG and S&P. 
So BIG was the Dow Jones Industrial Average. S&P was the Standard & Poor's 500. Where the, where the Philadelphia Exchange, I won't say went wrong by any means, but what they did is they backed those two, those two ETFs with futures. Okay. Which is, I mean, that would be a normal thing to do. I mean, I think it would be the least expensive way. I'd say, okay, if I want something to look like the S&P 500, why don't I buy S&P 500 futures? Mm-hmm. And they were cashed out on a daily basis. Well, the problem that came with that was they were sued by the Futures Exchange in, New- in Chicago. The Futures Exchange in Chicago won the product, and it was still born. But they actually traded on the Philadelphia Stock Exchange. They traded. This was not uh, something that was just a thought process that never came to market. It came to market. And Joseph Rosello was, was the one who was responsible for this. Well, he grabbed me and, and Jeff Yaz, who is the uh, CEO and founder of um, Susquehanna. Okay. And we had another mutual fund gentleman that came with us. And we traveled to 25 different venues throughout the United States explaining what this new product was, this new index product. And it was so well received, it was unbelievable. It wasn't until uh, Barclays Bank and State Street actually brought put big money into it, and ETFs were then backed by stocks that it, it had stay in power. Mm-hmm. But we were there first. The Dorsey Wright and Associates were the first ones really involved in the, in the ETF pro- product, and we're the ones that rolled out the product for iShares. We traveled for three years around this country uh, educating advisors in what the iShares was bringing out. They're the ones that brought Barclays iShares, brought the, put the money behind it. Um, so it was very, very interesting. We had, a, we had a leg up on most people because we already understood the ETF world. And now when I look at it, I just think this is probably the most important product uh, along with the cash management product that Merrill Lynch brought many, many, many years ago. This is the most important product that's come to market. And when you think about how to use it, it's absolutely amazing to me. You know, I, look at it, I look at it like, you know, I've used this example many times, uh, MasterChef. Have you, yeah. ever, have you ever watched MasterChef? I have because of you. <laughs> you got to watch that show. I mean, it's really cool. But see, when MasterChef, when you have these people who are vying to become the MasterChef and win the whole contest, um, throughout the season, they're given uh, different tasks, different dinners that they have to make. Mm-hmm. And you see them go into the MasterChef pantry, and the pantry is just green and red and, and, and blue and, and every color you can think of from vegetables and bananas. And I, the second they walked in there with their basket under their arm, the vision that came, came to me was all those things in the MasterChef pantry, those are ETFs. Yeah. And the basket that they had under their arm to put into their, their choice of what they want to have in there to make that dinner was exchange trader funds. Mm-hmm. That's the first vision I had. I said, oh, my God, this is exactly it. This is what an advisor does. He has the basket on his arm, which is his customer's portfolios. Right. And he's got to go into the world of ETFs, which is like the MasterChef pantry, and select the right things for that dinner to win the contest. Mm-hmm. And it's no different. Just these are ETFs. So an exchange trader fund, most people, I would say most advisors don't have a great handle on exchange trader fund. Individual investors don't even know what they are. <laughs> so there's so much more work that needs to be done. Um, and I would say educating the average investor what an exchange traded fund is. It, 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 it would help so much for people to go out there and explain to it. So you know what, what an exchange traded fund is? You know what I see? School of fish. Yeah. Yeah? That's it. You're absolutely right. All packaged together, all swimming together. Exactly. All looking like the same thing, going in the same direction. That's exactly <laughs> right. So if you want to Google school of fish and hit image... That's an ETF. There you go. So what do you see here in the first one? All ETF performance summary, third quarter, 
What's the highest? Highest thing for the third quarter is Brazil. Um, you know, bounce back after the political scandal or uh, conflict that was going on, and now it's back to the levels that it was before that, and, and near the levels of we saw in August 2016. And so that's exciting there. Uh, in this last quarter, up 22 percent. Yeah, and you know, right behind it, you kind of have Russia, which did the same thing, backed off. And no, China came back. Well, China's there too. Um, you know, China's number one. There's number two with eighteen percent. Then you have vectors Russia. Then you got Russia. Yeah. When you think of China, it's hard for someone to, to wrap their hands around this. I mean, you know, China is uh, probably end up being the largest economy in the world. Maybe not in our lifetimes, but in my lifetime anyway. Yours probably will end up being that. But I, I have a shirt that's called "Ride the Dragon." You yeah. see it, right? Yep. And Ride the Dragon was the theme for the International Federation of Technical Analysts conference that we had in, in uh, Singapore. And Ride the Dragon means ride China, mm-hmm. own some China. So how do you do it? Symbol KWEB. That was the second best performer for the, for the year. If you want to put your foot in the stirrup and own some China, there's a way to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Next. Next, after the China, you do have Russia and you Russia. got... Latin America, which is you know essentially sixty percent Brazil, so you can call it Brazil with a twist. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, Brazil with a twist. I like that. Uh, and then you got some U.S. stuff. You got aerospace and defense. You've got semiconductors. Uh, back to biotech. Uh, Biotech's still doing well. XBI. We've we've seen that be. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You, you skipped over an important one. From we went from the semiconductors. Okay, aerospace semiconductors. Robo stocks. Robo is your favorite. Now here, well, it's one of my favorites, and here's why, Tommy. Because when you look at Japan, Japan, it, uh, its elderly population is getting almost out of control. They yeah. don't have any young coming up to take care of it, to be able to hand, to be able to help the elderly. And what they're using is robots, and robots are are going, I mean, at the, uh, at breakneck pace in Japan, and it's gonna it's going to ultimately go. For the rest of the country, for the rest of us. We're getting right. old in America, too. Right. So when you look at robo, I think you need to own some some robotic stocks. And one of the ways to do it is ROBO. I mean, that, that's a kind of a catch-all for stocks, uh, robo stocks, global robotics and automation. Now, there's other robo stocks out there, out there, too, that I own. I won't mention their names. But what you can do is Google. Say yeah. robo stocks. Yeah. Go to Google. Google knows everything. Say robo stocks. That I should buy. <laughs> they'll have a list of them for you. And then what you want to do is put them into our system. Look at the chart. Um, you can create your own model with them. It's really unique and a lot of fun that you can do, but you got to own some robo. Yeah, create your own uh, matrix on yeah. robo stocks. Exactly. And you are master chef. See if it tastes good or not. That's right. Well, see, what, you, what you're saying, Tommy, is in our system it, is relative strength is very important. So if I wanted to compare um, Coca-Cola with Pepsi... I would simply divide the price of Coke by the price of Pepsi, yep. or vice versa, either one, and I get a number. Then I take that number and I plot it on a point-and-figure chart. If it's on a buy signal, it says own the numerator. If it's on a sell signal, own the denominator. Very simple, straightforward. Very simple. But if I wanted to look at all robo-stocks, I would put them into a matrix that basically says, take all these stocks, and you know that one division we just did, fourth grade division we just did with the, the horizontal line and the dot on top and the dot on the bottom? Uh, doesn't even hit mathematics. It's just arithmetic. Right. Do that with all these robo stocks, mm-hmm. and show me the ones that come out with the most buy signals, and it will automatically. I mean, just as fast as you can hit the yeah. computer, it's going to come back with the list and show you which ones are the strongest, which are the weakest, and then I would just say buy the top five. Right. 
Yeah, you can absolutely do that. Set and then set your own management parameters there and say, if one of the top five drops below the mid-range, mm-hmm. then... Cut it loose. I cut it loose, and I put the... In other words, if my pitcher that I have on the baseball team is walking too many people, I may have to cut him loose and bring somebody in from the bullpen. Exactly, exactly. And you can set alerts so you can put your feet up and then be notified when you need to make that kind of action. Exactly. So you'd be on a golf course, get a notification. That's right. So where are we on the next one? Biotech was the next one. That one, you got to own biotech. Yeah. What's one of the things, uh, uh, human genomics, that type of thing? Yeah. It's not going to stop. No. It's like technology. So when you think of biotechnology, that, that ETF probably has a lot of things with, with, uh, with uh, genomics. And you can probably find one with strictly, if you really want to pinpoint it, um, human genomics. And you got global natural resources. That's an interesting story. That and one, the one right below it, oil. Oil. We've seen that bounce back in Q3, especially in September. The month of September, those things bounce back. Um, you know, these two funds were up uh, almost double digits or double digits in the case of the natural resources. You know, we saw the bullish percents reverse up, mm-hmm. which calculate the percent of those stocks on buy signals for oil and oil services. And uh, natural resources doing well in addition to that. So those are on the radar. We'll see if they, we get any follow through from those. Well, then what next falls in is the, the big catch all, which is the SPY. That's right. That's a standard and poor's 500 trust. Um, that's only, you know, a person says, you know, I want to, I don't know what to invest in. Mm-hmm. Well, in the S&P 500, we trust. <laughs> Only the S&P 500, well, how do you do that? Simple SPY. Yep. That's it. That's, That's it. the simple, just like IBM. You want to own one share, own one share. And I implore everybody, I was thinking the other day, how many of you out there have a young child that was just born or a grandchild that was just born? Open an account for them right now and buy them some SPY. Yeah, let it grow. Got to pay for college somehow. Well, I did that with my son, Thomas. I'm a big believer in starting to invest for your children the day they're born. I mean the day they're born. Open that account and put Mm -hmm. some money in it. And when Thomas was born, my oldest son, this was uh, 1980s, I had about $600 to my name. That was about it. And I put it in his account and bought Coca-Cola. And Coca-Cola turned out to be probably the best stock you could possibly have owned during the next 20 years. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was just nothing short of amazing. And he never touched that stock for 25 years. When the relative strength turned negative, I sold out. Mm -hmm. Other people who were long Coca-Cola and just stay long Coca-Cola stayed in and wrote it down significantly. But I waited for the relative strength to change. It didn't change for 25 years. Wow. Amazing success story with $600. And that was just keeping my hands off it. Right. And when it turned over to Thomas when he was 18, he owned it. He didn't touch it. That's because he had the discipline. Exactly. And the discipline is having the rules-based approach. That's exactly it. Exactly it. So if you look at the S&P over the last quarter, it's up 3.9%. And the Guggenheim RSP, Standard Poor's 500, equal weight. Well, a lot of people look at this. It was up 3.09, and S&P was up 3.90. People look at that and say, I want to index. Because, because you can Google right now what percentage of professional money managers outperform the S&P 500. Yep. It's only about 8%. That's right. So if you wanna if you wanna be in the top money managers over the last decade, you own the S and P five hundred. But it's not so easy. 
There are two S and P five hundred. There are House of Representatives and uh, Congress or Senate, as you like to say. Exactly, the two are like that. The one is cap weighted, capitalization weighted, where the largest stocks pull the index around has the most votes. That's right. It's like Congress. So the state, like California, has more, many more votes than Rhode Island. Yep. I mean, California is the biggest out there. Um, so it's cap weighted, Congress. But there's also an S and P five hundred that's like the Senate. Every state has two senators, so it's equal weighted. Mm-hmm. The equal weighted S and P 500 over the last 17 years has outperformed the cap weighted hands down. Hands down over the last 17 years. That's right. It's going from 2000 to where we are now. Yeah. So things are not always as equal as you might think they are. They're S and P 500, but they're different. They trade differently. Mm-hmm. So coming into your advisor and saying I want to index, well, let's sit down and talk about that. Yeah. Are you aware there are two of them? <laughs> you know. See what they say. That's exactly right. <laughs> So let's jump on that because then from there you have, um, then you get into your your bonds and, and the bonds were the next uh, best uh, preferred stocks, realty things that were income oriented, but they had negative performance. For these that these were the among the worst in the quarter. Mm-hmm. Were the fixed income related things and REITs, uh, things of that nature, and you kind of see the same thing transition into the yearly uh, for everything. When we mm-hmm. look at everything, you still got China biotech. Robo up at the top. Uh, you got some oil stuff, so that kind of goes back to you know, we saw the pop in the third quarter, specifically September. Will we see any follow through and bring those things up um, out of the red, which they're pretty significantly in the red, depending on which one you're looking at. Um, but that is something that we could see. Yeah, um, North American tech software. Something you probably need to own. Yeah. I mean, I'm not making a recommendation on it, but I mean software in general. When you think about technology. Subsectors in there, yeah. yeah. the subsectors kind of thing. U.S. home construction, interesting with that, up 32% uh, for the year so far. Mm-hmm. Um, all countries, Asia x Japan, up 31%. So Asia is probably a place you want to begin to focus. Yeah. <coughs> right behind it is one of those countries, South Korea. South Korea, exactly, up 29.76%. First Trust NASDAQ 100 Q-Tech. Q-Tech. And uh, that's an interesting, too, that First Trust NASDAQ 100, all technology. And SOXX, iShares Philadelphia Semiconductor, that's one of the ones that was the indexes that came before the ETF. Right. That's one of the ones that had options on it, was yep. the SOX. <laughs> Still here. Still here. Still here. Still kicking. So we got three technology subsectors uh, mm-hmm. in addition to QTech uh, in the top for the yearly performance. So right underneath semiconductors, we've got internet. So internet, semiconductor, software uh, are the three top performers. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are subsectors of tech. Uh, computers would be a fourth one that's not in the top ten, you know, but exposure there may not be such a bad thing either. Absolutely. And then you look at the worst performers. Um, the worst performers you had here, the SP 500 Cap weight was up 12.39% for the uh, quarter. For the year. Excuse me, for the year. Through the end of the third quarter. And the equal weight was up 10.27. Now, that shows you what's really happened here over this this year is this market has been drawn by the generals. The soldiers had left the battle. (laughs) That's right. And we know that by the bullish percent index, New York Mm -hmm. Stock Exchange bullish percent, which is a calculation of the percentage of stocks on the New York Stock Exchange with point and figure buy signals, had reversed into a column of O's, suggesting that the soldiers had left the battle. 
And that lasted from March until August. Yeah, March until August, exactly, as it began to reverse back up. Now, what's happened here lately? So what you had, if you weren't in large-cap growth mm-hmm. this year, you underperformed. Right. I mean, anywhere that you went against that, if you tried to diversify your portfolio you, uh, away from... From a U.S. size and style perspective. That's right. Sure. Exactly. Yeah. You, you underperformed. Because as we'll see here shortly, the international stuff has been one of the places to be. That's right. If you think about the decade of the 2000s, decade of the 2000s, international was clearly the place to be. The only place you would have wanted to totally avoid was U.S. Right. 03, 07. That's right. 03 to 07. Yeah. Amazing time for international. So with international, you can, you can buy, like with ETFs, if you want to buy a generalized um, emerging market exchange traded fund. So, you know, I want to buy catch-all. I want to buy that school of fish that's emerging market. Mm-hmm. There's a symbol EM. Yeah. We have a symbol PIE, which is emerging market also. And we have a third one. Um, we have what? We have a second one there. We have the AADR. So that's that right. Tell me the, about that one. You the, own the ADRs. Well. You, go, you can go between emerging or developed markets. You own 30 to 40 ADRs at a time. Let's explain what an ADR is. Okay. It's an American depository receipt. This is true. And it's international stocks that trade on the new, uh, on our American exchanges. So they're U.S. dollar denominated. That's right, U.S. dollar denominated. Yes. So go ahead from there now. Now they understand what ADR is. So going from there, you're owning the individual stocks that are out there. And whether that's they're from Asia, whether they're from Brazil, whether they're from Taiwan, who knows where they could be from. And that's what we do is we look at the relative strength just like we do everything else, and determine which ones we want to own, which ones we want to kick out. So who's getting cut from the team and who's making the roster this week? <laughs> That's what we're looking at. And that one, from an international perspective, uh, was up around 19% on the quarter uh, for the third quarter, and it's also doing quite well this year, almost up 40%. So it made our not only our top 10 list on the quarter, uh, but it also made our top 10 list on the year as well. One of the interesting things that we do at DWA, not just just one of we have a thousand things we do interesting, but one of the ones is, is models. We probably have about 82 different models yeah. that we run. And these models are automatically run for you. If you take, for instance, uh, you know, in order, in order to have an exchange rate of fund that actually has legs and, and can, can sustain itself, you almost have to have $100 million, mm-hmm. you know, in it. If you can't get $100 million, you're going to find the going is, is kind of tough. But with models, it's something different. There's where a person, let's say, in a brokerage firm, um, he has a customer. You're looking at one of our models, which might be the First Trust 5 model. Mm-hmm. And that has been a model that's been running for a long, long, long time. We probably have over $4 billion in that model itself. That, And we also have an ETF that goes along with it. But that model allowed you, what, what, what happens is when you buy the model, you buy the five units in there, five ETFs, which were sectors of First Trust Five. Mm-hmm. You own them, actual outright, so you have five different pieces in your portfolio. You got a five-course meal. Five-course meal, exactly. There you go. And when it's time to change the meal or, or change the sector, you'll be emailed. Right. You make the change yourself. There's the difference between being an exchange-traded fund where it happens automatically inside you have to make the change yourself. So if you're in a, an account where commissions are of no con- consequence, that might make a lot of sense for yeah, you. Yeah, absolutely. If commissions are important to you and you're an individual RIA, 
we came out with the FV, that's Frank Victor, Exchange Traded Fund, mm -hmm. and everything happens inside of it. So you're not you, you're not relegated to paying a commission when a change takes place. Exactly. These each one fits different types of customers mm -hmm. and different advisory firms. The unique thing about that is that First Trust Five, because of our great professional clientele that we have, we went from nothing to five billion in that, yeah. uh, in I'd say a matter of a couple of years. And there's no other ETF that can post that. No other ETF other than Standard Poor's 500, the big cash sure. type things. Sure. Now tell me about the one that you like so much. Because every time we get into a conversation about these things, you got to throw that in there. Yeah, Tom, you like the robos, you like the robotics and that type of thing. But it'll eventually work its way into... The Qs. The Qs. What are they? The Queen Bee. Uh, the Power Shares QQQ Trust. That is... Uh, symbol QQQ, that's the mm -hmm. NASDAQ 100, based on the NASDAQ 100 index. And so, you know, TD and I were talking about Robo and how, you know, some people might say it's, um, that's an early adopter kind of phase for me and I'm not ready for that kind of uh, market cycle in my portfolio. And, you know, some people that may not feel comfortable doing that, <laughs> you could wait and then maybe it'll make its way into the queues one day. And that way you get exposure to that. And that Owning an index like the NDX, which is QQQ, you have access to the full pantry. You're getting the best ingredients at all times. So in other words, if in that pantry the, that the ingredients move more toward robotics, then it's going to be more toward robotics. That's exactly right. And, you know, interestingly enough, you got uh, China Technology was the top, is the top performing ETF on the year. Um, it's from Guggenheim at CQQQ. Uh, that one's up almost 64% on the year. And similarly, the QQQ on a yearly uh, basis is up around t almost 23%. So the U.S. one is up almost 23%. The S&P, as we've said, is up about 125 So their, their process is working, uh, and it is something that we do pay attention to here. Very interesting, very interesting. You know, when you come down here to... Um, domestic equity broad sector ETF performance. And these are the broad sector. Um, the MTM, MTUM uh, yep. momentum, that's a power shares, correct? It's iShares. iShares, excuse yep. me, iShares. Uh, up 26%. And your beloved Qs right below it up 22.76%. Uh, right below it, yeah. And the, you've got, uh, you were just talking about FV. FV made the list for the top 10 on the quarter. Up about 5.5% almost. Interesting. Yeah. What is this? You probably know it. I'm looking here, Vanek Vectors Morningstar Wide Moat. I'm not sure what that one is, to be honest with you. I gotta, I've got to look that up. Wide Moat. It also makes me think of uh, back in the, uh, back in the medieval days, yeah. they had a moat around the castle. Game of Thrones time. Yeah, Game of Thrones. Making exactly. miss out. Maybe it has something to do with it. I'm not sure. But right below it is our PDP. Uh, Dorsey Wright... Uh, yeah. Technical leaders, PDP up 15.82% for the for the quarter. And PDP is something that I own, uh, full disclosure. And I think it could be part of, really part of anyone's portfolio, absolutely. And that 15.3 and 3 quarters is on the year, just to clarify. What is? The performance is yearly, not quarterly. It'd be great if that was quarterly. Oh, yes, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, this is yearly performance that we're talking about. You're right. That's why you got to have young people with you. Back checkers. Back checkers. <laughs> you guys see it all. Um, let's look down here. Schwab Fundamental, U.S. large cap. I mean, there's so many interesting names here. 
Vanguard small cap ETF. One of the ones that hasn't performed that well over the over this over the year has been the small cap value, has been mid cap value, mm-hmm. has been Russell two thousand, which is small cap value. And here's the reason: we just finished talking about why everything was just corralled into the large cap growth. If you were, if you if you went away from large cap growth, you you didn't perform as well. Small cap didn't do well. However, what's happened to small cap over the last uh, couple months? Last quarter, it's up. Small caps are up. And reminds me of the time in 1982, before this market really took off. August of 1982 was the point at which we went into almost a 20-year bull market. I'm going to say an 18-year bull market. Mm -hmm. That's when it happened was August of 1982. The large cap stocks, when you think about Dow Jones, S&P, they all continue to move down. You're watching the nightly news report and says the S&P is doing poorly and the Dow Jones is not doing well. But if you didn't look uh, under the surface... Under the surface, the small cap stocks were up 20% already. Right. And they were on the move already. So when you looked at that ball team, they were doing extremely well where the big guys weren't. You may see here, with this bullish percent reversing back into a column of X's, suggests that the, that the, that the um, soldiers have moved back into the battle. It's not just generals. Mm-hmm. When that bullish percent reversed over to O's, it said the generals are staying, the soldiers are leaving. Right. Soldiers are back in. And for that index to change up three X's, which means 2% per box, or a 6% change, mm-hmm. these small caps have already gotten going. Right. So they're moving now, and that's where you're going to see probably maybe over this next quarter you're going to see small caps maybe do better than large caps. So you're, you're going to be blindsided by watching the news, and all they ever talk about is the S&P 500. When it's these small cap types of stocks, are going to be the ones you want to keep your eyes on. Yeah, and we've in, they included in the report yesterday... The uh, U.S. small cap growth is in small blend are up at the top in terms of the U.S. styles from that asset class group scores page uh, that Steve Raymond uh, so famously runs. And so those things are scoring quite well uh, using our fund score methodology. Yeah, U.S. small cap growth, U.S. Uh, small cap blend, U.S. micro cap, the yeah. real small stuff, um, has really started coming on now. They have, yeah. It's moving, really interesting. Moving on to the foreign equities, foreign waters. You down to international now? Down to international. Um, You kind of got similar story to what we said up for everything. You know, you got Brazil, you've got China. um, You do have the AADR for the for the third quarter, and you have individual country funds like Norway um, that may not have been been something on your on your radar. Um, You've got emerging markets, but you know Norway's got oil. Norway does have oil. This is true. Uh, You got Russia. In Chile, in Latin America, Peru, and Italy. Italy is even one of the top ones on the quarter. Italy's been uh, one that's done well. You know, you look at some of those. Who would have guessed? Some of those pigs that you talked that we talked about, and that was all the market hype during uh, the debt crisis and Greece. Okay. Yeah. 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 All the pigs of so Portugal, oh, the pigs. Italy, yeah, okay. Greece, and Spain. Yeah. A lot of those stock or funds or countries are doing well. Uh, Portugal is doing fair, but Italy and, and Spain. Have done quite well this year. Well, there's an old market adage: buy when the blood is running in the streets, <laughs> and that's when you should have been buying, buying Greece and Italy and whatnot. When things yeah. look the worst, and the and the news media is smashing these kind, that's when the ETFs where you buy them. Mm-hmm. So on the flip side, things that didn't keep up as well, um, your benchmarks, whether it was emerging markets up about six point seven, and uh, developed markets, the the broad was up around five percent on the quarter. Um, so. 
some of the things that were on the top, say your Brazil, China, or AADR, were up between 20 and 30% just in the third quarter. Uh, those things are up between 40 and 60% on the year. Uh, but things that weren't able to necessarily keep up uh, with the rest of the vastly growing international equities uh, during the third quarter were things like New Zealand, uh, South Korea. Even though we have seen them do well from an absolute standpoint on the year, uh, the quarter they're up almost 2%. Uh, and you can see that in other places too, the India Nifty 50. The India has been a place that's done well throughout the course of this year. Uh, you have some developed countries in there as well. Germany has been a, one of the top performers, just lagged a little bit on the quarter, relatively speaking. Still positive, uh, just not as much as, say, the rest of the, what's going on. But you then know, you do have one of the pigs there, Greece, was the worst, down about 6.5%. Mm-hmm. So some pigs doing well, some pigs not. Well, you know, one of the things I see in here is um, Austria as one of the better performers. Yearly performance, international. Yearly, yeah, yeah. On the yearly performance, Austria. Austria. What's going on in Austria, man? Austria is, I mean, it depends on what you're kind of looking at. You know, from our perspective, relative strength looks good, trending looks good. Yeah, you know, they, they, the rest they, is not important. But right. I kinda, <laughs> you know, I love Austria. It's a great place to go. Um, I wonder what they do. I have to look this up. They had some political stuff going on um, kind of had populism and all that kind of stuff going on. I, I was finding that out and being educated uh, through that vice that we talked about a couple oh, weeks ago. Oh, yeah. That's really cool. You have gotten – this is the channel that we watch. It's a – I watched it from the HBO series. HBO series? Yeah, but they have some TV channel too, I think. Yeah, I, I tape it uh, every night. I've got about 12 that I haven't watched so far. But it's unique. Um, Sarah Mealy turned me on to it. She said, take a look at this. And yeah. I started watching it. And it's documentaries – primarily on all kinds of unique, interesting things that you would never, ever think about. And it's U.S. and global. Uh, and, exactly. And the, the cool approach for me for it is that they take both sides. They take, okay, you have a conflict with somebody, let me hear your side, and then we'll go to who you have a conflict with, we'll hear their side. Right. And they just tell you from both sides. And then you kind of get to the point where I could see why they're upset with each other. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not that you have to pick sides or <coughs> it's divisive, it's uh, right. get educated. Yeah, let's go Vice. It's Vice, yeah. Vice Essentials is one of the things I watch, too. I, I really enjoy it. I like had, documentary type of things. They had something on Austria. So Austria, back back to international equities, that's up about 40%. Um, the other one that's interesting that you and I had looked at earlier this year was Poland. Poland. I have this feeling, and you can and you can quote me on this, Poland is going to ultimately be the strongest country in Europe. Uh, the, maybe not in my lifetime, but mm-hmm. oh, Poland is the one that's going to take over Europe like Germany has mm-hmm. all these years. Poland's going to be the next one. Next one? Yeah. The yeah. the emerging country in Europe? Your... Mark my words. Yeah. I won't be here when it happens. But <laughs> Well, that emerging Europe space is doing well. Russia's kind of categorized as emerging Europe, but uh, Austria and Turkey. Uh, Turkey's kind of pulled back here recently, but Aust- I mean, excuse me, Poland and Turkey. Uh, Poland is continuing to do well. That's EPOL. That one's up about 45% on the year. And, you know, separate adage that we were looking at was a lot of the people within Poland are investing in their own country stocks. Mm-hmm. And so that was kind of an interesting thing to see is that they have confidence in their own country, which, you know, may be an initial signal for your theory. I have confidence in that country absolutely unequivocally. And you see Argentina in there. I wonder about Argentina up 39%. Uh, that's just a must be a South American kind of thing because yeah. Argentina's got a lot of problems. But maybe they're getting through them. Who knows? What? Who knows what the fundamentals are? 
Right. You know, it just tells you. Like AADR, this is our Dorsey Wright. We're up 38.75%. Our uh, advisor shares, Dorsey Wright and Associates, ADR ETF. Man, that thing has great performance. AADR is a symbol up 38.75%. Yeah. And you see other consistent trends of, of emerging markets in general in Asia. Yep. Um, so those are places that have been doing well all year long. Um, benchmarks in terms of yearly performance are up between 18 and 22% thereabouts for developed and emerging. Uh, and so things that haven't performed as well. And th- th- what's interesting about this is some of the worst performers on an international standpoint are things like Australia, up about 11.5%. Yeah. Almost <laughs> there with the S&P 500. And that's one of the worst things mm-hmm. you can be in. Yeah. So vast opportunities is what that kind of tells me out in the international landscape. Here's something interesting here. Um, and while you listen to this, if, before you end up jumping from the, the program here, if you want a copy of this report that we're, we're, we're culling this from, this is a Dorsey Red report that we just did, um, I want you to email James. Um, which James? Well, yeah, which James? The new James. West. West. James, is it James dot West? James dot West. James dot West at NASDAQ.com. Dot com. Ask for this report, and he'll email this to you. He's one of our newest guys here. Great guy. He'll take care of that. I want you to have this report because it's got all these names in it. Whether you're a client of Dorsey Rates or not, I want you to call us for this report yeah. and, and have it emailed out to you. Look what's, look what's interesting here in the sector ETF performance. Number one ranking, Global X Lithium. Lithium. That's for the quarter and for the year, yearly performance. Global X Lithium is up 54.55. We're talking batteries here. Batteries, that's right. That's really kind of interesting. On an annual basis, biotech is next. Um, Global X social media indexing. So social media, all you all you millennial people that are all over the social media. Mm-hmm. I, I unfortunately don't fit in that category. I'm, not, I'm not on them. I, I'm an old soul, man. You're an old soul? I I'm am. a new soul because if you go to my Facebook page. You oh, see I know. I know. I, I have put, Facebook and I see them. I put all kind of interesting stuff up, I think. Interesting, yes. I think it's interesting. And then we got um, another robo. Another robo. Bots. B-O-T-Z, man. And what I want you to do is go to Google and type in everything that's got to do with robo. Robotics. And you, know, you could even do a bots versus robo relative strength. Yep. Figure out which one you want. We've got the Dorsey Wright DWA Healthcare Momentum Portfolio up 42% for the year. That's yeah. phenomenal. And then you have other things uh, and in, within that space, uh, kind of consistent trends that we talked about from, from everything. Um, you see the tech software. You see the semiconductor. Uh, you see home construction. And solar, interestingly yeah. enough, uh, on the year is up about 30%. It made It's number 10 on our list. Yeah, but the thing about solar is we'll ne- the solar is never going to become, I don't think, any, any kind of a source of uh, energy until we can get... Um, Mirrors, yeah, above the at, above our atmosphere. We can station mirrors out there. That's when it'll be yeah. much better. Yeah. Oh, it's interesting from from my perspective to see. You see lithium. You see solar. I'm doing very well this year. You see natural resource style energy not doing so well. So that's kind of an interesting diversion between those two things. Well, but on Wall Street, things aren't always what they seem. They are not always what they seem. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and let's look down here in the currencies. Um, if you got on a yearly basis, 
on a yearly performance currency shares, Eurotrust. The Euro yeah, has been the, yeah. the best player. Brazilian Real is next. The Renimbi over U.S. dollar. Um, that's China. Swedish Krona and Great British Pound. I hear your uh, ears ringing. <laughs> you know what just happened? You couldn't hear it. I could hear it. You could hear that? I you could have hear great hearing? I do. Here's what happened. I have hearing aids, <laughs> and they are Bluetooth. My phone is over at my desk. We're in another office here. It's My phone <laughs> is out there on my desk, and it just rang. And when it rang, I mean, it has, it has a long ring. Yeah. It'll, it'll keep going for a while. Um, I can hear it. <laughs> so normally, I mean, you have to be 23 years old if I've heard what was going on in my ears. Normally, I just think you're tuning me out. I was giving a speech in New York. Uh, it was about 100 people in a crowd, and I had my phone outside in my in my briefcase. It was outside the room, closed door. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, my phone went off. I forgot to turn it off. <laughs> oh, Lord. So if you need hearing aids, these are the bomb, man. Yeah? Yeah, because you can tune people in or tune them out. Right. <laughs> so now that that has quit ringing, I'll put these back in my ear. On the flip side, back to currencies. Um, so, British pound, Swedish krona, Brazilian real, euro, uh, doing well on the year. What is one of the worst on the year? U.S. dollar. U.S. dollar. Interesting. Well, I would think you know the stronger the dollar, the less we're gonna we're going to be able to export. And I think Trump would Trump would love to orchestrate the dollar lower and be able to export more things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe you never know what, ha- what why things are going to happen, but they are what they are. U.S. dollar lowest. Mm-hmm. This is a great report, man. You've got to uh, you got to you got to call to get this. Yeah. So today in the report, there's going to be fixed income and commodities. So those are the two tables missing from this report uh, that we weren't able to talk about, but the, those will be in the report today. Fantastic. Well. We've probably taken enough time on this podcast. I really, I really love it when we go over these ETFs and what's what's performing, what isn't performing, uh, what's hot, what's not, what's hot, what's not. Yeah, that's cool. Call James West. James no, West. I mean, email James dot West at Nasdaq dot com. Get this report. He'll have it emailed out to you. See you next week. You got it, man. Mm-hmm.